Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the 2021 Best of Tennis Channel Inside In, The Players Show. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and as always, this podcast is available on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. It's been an absolute treat to pull back the curtain and get to know some of the standout players in the game, newcomers and mainstays on the ATP and WTA tours, and showcase some of the best personalities in tennis. This is The Players Show, and it features some of the most entertaining and revealing moments during the course of my interviews with these elite athletes. We start with Jeannie Bouchard, who reached fame in the blink of an eye, which led to meeting celebrities, newfound pressures, and much more. You kind of ushered in that new generation of Canadian tennis. Obviously, there's been younger players to come through, you being the first in the top five to make a final, Milos, and then Bianca just knocking the door down and winning a major. Uh, and I always admired the fact about you, the Canadians, I'm grouping you all together, you guys kind of all stick together. It's like a it's like a brother sisterhood thing where I think there's some real camaraderie there among all the Canadian uh, tennis players and athletes. I'd also say. Look, I trained at the National Training Center in Montreal uh, at age 15, and I was there kind of on and off between there and Florida. And I remember seeing kids like Felix in the younger group. I mean, he's way younger than me. Seeing him at whatever age he must have been, and being like, "Wow, he." He looks good. So I'd like to say I called his success early on. <laughs> you were early on the Felix train. Yeah. yeah but um, so it's just been nice to see this progression. And nowadays, you know, there's so many kids playing and it's uh, I'll go back to like our old my old club and see a poster of me up there and, and kids training all over the place. And it's um, it's very heartwarming. Well, I've got one for you that I wanted to bring up, which had to be surreal. And it would be surreal for me because I was at Indian Wells a couple years ago. Huge hockey guy. Saw Wayne Gretzky almost fainted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He sits in your boxes now to watch your matches. So what's it like having (laughs) Wayne be a fan of yours? That was a crazy (laughs) moment because it happened for the first time at the U.S. Open in 2015. And I didn't know about it. So I'm like on the court and I see my mom talking to this lady that I don't recognize who ended up being Janet, his wife. (laughs) And because they have a daughter, Emma, who, Uh who plays tennis. And so I was just like thought I recognized him but I was trying to be focused for my match and then afterwards my mom's like oh yeah like I was just chatting with the Gretzky's and I'm like okay mom like this is crazy what has the world come to so yeah I mean obviously getting to meet Canadian royalty like that or like with Drake when I first met him I I literally well I didn't die when I met I mean it was super cool to meet him but then he posted the picture of us like on his account and I remember seeing that and I was at the airport in Toronto flying somewhere and I saw it on my phone and I was like mom Drake just posted the picture of us and I literally almost like fell to the ground because I was like, what is life? And so 
it's it's been awesome and just to have their support and then seeing them along the way at events yeah. or other things you like have this friendship from yeah. years back and so it's it's been nice i would say the perks would be meeting people like you can talk about the money and the fame and other stuff but just getting <laughs> to meet people that you looked up to and that was before the celebrity basketball game where i think he was one of the coaches that's right yes yeah. yes he was the coach there in 2016 and he kept me on the bench for most of the game which i was pretty pissed yeah, off and that about. was like your old sport too like you you've kind of said that you yes. were good at basketball right i was when i was like 12 <laughs> And amongst girls my age at the celebrity game, most of the players on the team were men yeah. and mostly tall. And you just have no chance, like mm -hmm. the physicality. And the only other female was a WNBA player. So I was <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. like the shrimp, like not knowing what they're doing on the court. So I don't blame him for not giving me any court time, but I was also disappointed. I remember I got elbowed in the boo by Jason Sudeikis. Oh, we're gonna have to get to the bottom of that. No, but the, that's not fair. they take it so seriously. And I'm like, guys, just give me the ball once. Like, I just want to like try make two points. Like, I'm glad you brought it. that up. I mean, Ted Lasso, he's got this like positive image, but no, like he's out there throwing elbows. He, he was wild. <laughs> he was like, they all just want the ball to try show off and like be like, I can play basketball, but... Uh, amazing experience. That was, that was actually a really fun weekend, the All-Star Weekend in Toronto. That was awesome. I've gotten to go to Richard Branson's island a couple oh. of times. He's so nice. I mean, we've been dancing on the table together at 2 a.m. in his <laughs> great room on the island and just um, so many cool experiences with cool people. And for me, it's not that they're famous, but just that they're successful in another field and yeah. you can relate on things, but also learn so many things yeah. from them and I just find it so fascinating to meet people who've kind of gone through a similar pass although in a different you know sector of work of course. but and then who've experienced you know coming from normal to a superstar whatever and experienced similar kind of life experiences as you is um very relatable I do have to ask you though with some of the struggles that you've had with injuries do you look back at your career with uh, any level of regrets? Do you dwell on, you know, the, the success or what could have been, or is it just tunnel vision to the future? Everyone has regrets. I'm trying to not have as many as I can. So when I'm old and in my rocking chair, I'll be like, okay, like I tried to do everything I could. Obviously looking back, there are some decisions I would do differently, maybe not work with some coaches or continue working with some coaches. But, um, you know, in the moment, I always knew I was doing the best I could. And I just, I wish I was more prepared in a way for kind of the onslaught of the scrutiny in 2015 and how tough the media and fans would be on me kind of, oh, you made the finals of a slam last year. That means you have to win a grand slam this yeah. year and just not realizing like, it's so hard to do these things. Like yeah. you can't expect, you know, these results every single year for the rest of your career, unless you're basically Serena, who's an anomaly and you can't even then it's like they're hard on her. If she doesn't win. Exactly. Every year. She makes the finals of a slam <laughs> yeah. and loses. And people are like, Oh yeah, that was a terrible tournament for her. Like yeah. it's people are never satisfied and never happy. And it's easy for them to say, you know, sitting at home and with yeah. not even having to deal with one ounce of the pressure that we have to deal with. So, I mean, I have so much to say about all that yeah. stuff. Would, it's you, really would, would you say that you kind of have like this love-hate relationship with social media because there's a lot of good out of it? And I think your attitude is super positive in a lot of ways, more than most people would take the kind of flack you do. But is there still that kind of love-hate you know, relationship there? It's more of a realizing that there's pros and cons yeah. to it, as there is with everything in life. Your life mm. lessons from Jeannie. Um, <laughs> it's more of just like, hey, there's positives. Like I can interact with my fans. I can make money. You know, I can hawk products on social media and make money. But 
I can also just, it's, it's, you're just very accessible. So people mm -hmm. can reach right. you and say whatever they want and it can be anonymous. And so, you know, I, there's no way to kind of fix it because we do have freedom of speech. Like, what are you going to do? Police every single account that says something yeah. mean. I mean, when people are watching sports in arenas, they scream mean things to the players. That's not yeah. illegal. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Obviously, there's a line when it's death threats, which is completely unacceptable yeah. because that is illegal. But it's more just like, it's more just like people not realizing how hard and stressful our jobs actually are. I liked how you had uh, that one post where you had Caroline Wozniacki's back, where she was getting trolled, and you're just like, no, you belong on my page. Like that, <laughs> something about that post was like, wow, this this person gets it. Like I thought that was super funny in yeah. that regard. It just shows you, you will never make everyone happy, and no matter what you do, there will be people that hate. So you just have to do you, do what you want, and... Take it as a compliment. I mean, they're taking time out of their day to write something mean to you. Like, it's literally a reverse compliment. Now we go to Francis Tiafo, a 23-year-old American who put together his most complete season in 2021. Tiafo joined the show to discuss his Australian battle with Djokovic, his legions of young fans, and just where he got the nickname, Big Foe. You lose a, a four-set, really competitive match against the best player in the world, Novak Djokovic. And uh, just to kind of go back, I think a lot of people noticed you and, and realized who you were and what you were about in that 2017 U.S. Open against Federer, going five sets and really giving him all he can handle. During that Djokovic match, the camera caught you saying, I'm going to paraphrase for, uh, for the airwaves here, that you love this that you're all about playing in these big matches and that you're excited to be there. That's not what I said. That's, That's not, not what, what you said. said. Yeah, we got to keep it we got to keep it a little little PC a little clean here, but no, I I respect that and I think, you know, a lot of people say that they actually love it, but going up against the best player in the world and you give him four brutal con competitive sets, you really do love to be in the grind, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, man. It's you know, you know, my problems are aren't aren't those. I love those moments. I I, I live to play the best players in the world. Like I, I need that. Like I want that. You know, I wanna, you know, I want I want to see the big name of Novak Djokovic and Franz Tiafo, Rafa and Tiafo. Um, you know, and now I'm not saying I'm gonna win, but I'm gonna play great tennis. You know, I've beaten a lot of good guys on um, big stages. You know, I've went deep runs. I've done that. But my thing is beating the guys I'm supposed to beat. You know, that's my Achilles heel. Yeah, what did it feel like with the crowd there, with the crowd that was pretty much in your corner, especially in that second set? That was one of the better reactions outside of Kyrgios that I think the Aussie crowd had. No, they was they was hype. I mean, they was they was ready for it. I mean, it was one of those things like, you know, I mean, everybody. Look, I mean, you, you know, if you're a sports fan, everybody wants to see an upset. Everyone wants to see the underdog. So Novak's won it nine hundred times this Australian Open. Let's see something new happen. And obviously, you know, guys. No, I could be the guy to, to shake him up a little bit. So, and I definitely showed it. You know, I played well. I showed up, and it was fun to be a part of. But, you know, I wish I could have got that done. But, hey, man, he's he's one of the best for a reason. I know no loss is ever satisfying. But what do you take away from that match? Because you had to feel like, okay, my level was at a point where if I'm giving Djokovic this, I should and and definitely am capable of giving this to a lot of other players that aren't quite as good. Hundred percent. Hundred percent, but I I know that I know at my best I can play, I can play against anyone in the world. I, I, I say I respect everyone. I don't fear anyone. I respect every player immensely, but I don't I don't fear anyone, especially those big guys. I want those big guys, but for me it's just you know kind of beating the guys you're supposed to beat day in day out, and um, you know that's something that I want to really get better 2021 and so on and so forth. 
this DMV athlete crew, it seems like you guys all rep each other and that you're, you know, proud to be from where you're from. And, you know, I re reading up on you about, you know, looking up to Kevin Durant because he kind of made it from that area. And, and I know you're passionate about your sports teams as well. So I think that that probably does say a lot about you, that you're loyal and you're uh, somebody that reps who, uh, who kind of made you in the area you're from. No, I mean, DMV is big, man. Like, guys don't get it. Like, we got something in the water. That's why Kevin, you know, he made he made that dock, man. It's mm -hmm. it's real. You know what I mean? We got we got real prospects coming out of DMV. And I love where I'm from. Um, I'm one of those guys who absolutely love everything about where they're from. I love where I was made, and I'm never going to forget it. And every day, you know, I do what I do. You know, I'm not only representing myself and my family, but representing, you know, where I'm from and um, where my parents are from as well. And I got to ask you just, just quickly, I, I know you're a Wizards fan. I know you got the LeBron James jersey on as I'm interviewing you. And I think on TC Airwaves, you actually picked Portland to win the West once. So you're kind of all over the place. But how do you uh, how do you see this year's uh, hoop season playing out? Yeah, look, man, I'm a Wizards <laughs> fan, die hard. But, you know, I'm I, again, I'm a, I'm a big under. Hey, and by, by the by the way, they lost in the finals that year. They did. So it wasn't that crazy. It wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't that nothing. crazy that I said that. No. They lost in the finals of the West that year. But uh but yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a ZNBA fan, man. You know, I know I like I studied, I love it. My Wizards looking good going to All Star break, man. Like we were looking good going to All Star break. I think we can make the playoffs. I mean, and we kind of see what we do. Bradley Beal is something special. We call him a walking bucket in DC, and hopefully, hopefully we can get ourselves in the playoffs and and see how we go. And I think what we're starting to see more is uh, players that are having big fan bases and big crowd support. I mean, I saw some of your matches at the D.C. event, and there was a lot of kids there. And I, I think that's, you know, part of the appeal to tennis is you want to get new players and new people into the sport. And I think, you know, having kids support, I think you would agree, is is crucial to just growing the game. It's crucial. It's crucial. And, and yeah, a lot of my fans are kids, man. Like, it's, it's pretty <laughs> funny. I tell my parents all the time, man, like, a lot of my fans are like, I would say age range from like five to twenty-five. Like they just uh, my age and, and and younger and young kids, man. Like always, oh, they uh, they love the nickname Big Foe, and they just kind of just thrive off that. And it's cool, man. Because I mean, I I remember having being that kid looking up to somebody. So I'm glad I'm paying it forward. I'm glad you mentioned that Big Foe. Where did that come from? And when did you first hear it? And and I guess when did you first embrace it? I should say. <laughs> It's actually funny, man. It was uh, years ago. I was like 13, and I was at a tournament called the Orange Bowl. And my, you know, and at the time, me, me and my boy Jordy was here. We we're talking about, you know, what, what would be our nicknames if we was in college and playing for a team. And we were talking about going to Georgia and they the Bulldogs. And uh, and we kind of joking, and they were like, and we were both like at the same time, like, oh, they, you know, what they called you, Big Foe, woo hoo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were like, yeah, That's it should awesome. kind of go. And then, and then after that, it was like, I was like, man, this kind of sticks. And then Instagram came out, and then I was like, I'm gonna name myself Big Foe. And then obviously, then you start winning, and then like the fans start kind of taking it in, and then you know, I kind of ride that wave. And then I made the hashtag Big Foe on the come up, and then it was kind of a wrap after that. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Tiafo wasn't the only American who did big things on the court in 2021. 
Jennifer Brady made an improbable run to the finals at the Australian Open and continued to build on her success from the previous year. Here she is, ironically, from her 14-day hard quarantine down under, not knowing anything about the success in front of her. Or does she? No pressure for you, but no college tennis player since John McEnroe has won a major. And you're like the top pick right now. If anyone's going to break this streak, I mean, it, it, it's all signs pointing to you. But in all seriousness, there has never really been a time in recent history where there's been more quality college tennis players on the scene. And I think, you know, you're in a, you're in a great example of that. But the college game is really producing a lot of players that decided to go and, and develop. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, like I said earlier, the, it really depends on um, your personality, what you need to improve as a player, whether it's on court, off court, um, your mental game, your maturity. Um, I mean, how serious you really are. Um, and uh, for me personally, I think, you know, if I were to do it all over again, I 100% would, uh, would go back to UCLA, would go to college, play for Stella and Rance. Um, just because mentally, I, I feel like that was uh, huge for me just because, you know, I was at, the, at an academy for so long. I was in a structure, I was home and I just needed a change. I needed to be on my own to figure out, you know, myself as a person to, to, to grow off court mainly. Uh, um, and then to realize that, you know, I, I, I was born to play tennis. I, I, uh, you know, I fell in love with the game more. I appreciated it more um, just because I didn't have it every single day or it wasn't the number one priority. You also threw in school, academics, um, social life. So I think, uh, you know, for me, tennis was has become my number one priority and it is my number one priority. Well, I can't wait for the streak to end personally. I think you got a great chance to do it, but we'll have to see. There'll be a celebration yeah. when that happens. Um off the court, off the court with you. I know a lot of tennis players are into social media and promoting stuff. You don't necessarily do that as much, but you self-identify as a foodie. So I was hoping to get the yeah. specifics of what that means for you, and you know, when you get a chance to, uh, you know, clear quarantine, what that's going to look like, and uh, you know, what the favorite, you know, delicacies are of your uh, experiences as a foodie. Uh, oh, geez, uh, anyone, <laughs> any one of my friends knows, hey. Uh, Eat, sleep, breathe food, pretty much. Um, I'm, I love food. Uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't know if eating is a hobby, but I think I would take it as one or at least, um, you know, discovering food or, uh, you know, just different types of food. But um, for me, first thing I'm going to do is go to a nice restaurant. I'm going to get a big giant ribeye steak. I mean, there let me is. tell you, yeah. I, <laughs> I can't wait to eat with a real fork and knife and a good ribeye and on a plate. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a huge, uh, meat person. I love steak ribs. Uh, I'm just your American gal. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is very specific, but I'm a big fan of those things as well. Uh, and it seems like foodie is the popular answer among this generation of, uh, female tennis players. American specifically, you guys are a pretty close knit group. You know, I was I actually did see you play once a couple of years ago against uh, Barty at Indian Wells. We don't need to rehash that match at all. Oh, but God. Allie Risk was down there, and you know, there was a couple yeah. other American women that were around. And you guys are competitive, clearly, with each other. You all want a lot of the same stuff, but it's a good close knit group out of out of a family feel, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm. I'm 
I think we're pretty lucky that we have each other. Um, and, uh, you know, off court, we all hang out, we all go to dinner. Um, you know, we have good camaraderie and, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's really great to see that, um, you know, we're, we're competitors, we're, um, opponents, but also we're, we're friends. So I think you can have both. Definitely. One of the most enjoyable interviews of the year was with Iowa Tomjanovich. She reached her first quarterfinal at Wimbledon this past season, which features a mighty dramatic moment with Elena Ostapenko. I should say several moments. Here's Tomjanovich getting into that moment, as well as the experiences on and off the court in London with her boyfriend and Wimbledon finalist, Matteo Berrettini. This involves the Euro Cup, coffee, and much, much more. You played a third round match that I'd like to discuss for a little bit if you have, <laughs> if you're open to. Um, I mean, hey, I don't know. Everyone saw it already, so. We, I don't, yeah, we, we saw it, and I think part of it is, look, I mean, from your perspective, I think it's fair to say that you saw what was going on with Ostapenko with the injury timeout as a tactic. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, yeah. I think that brings up a bigger question that we can get into a little later of should there be rule changes, should this be policed? I think if you have rules that aren't, aren't fair, aren't enforced, players are going to take advantage of them. But the question I want to ask you is you had to really dig in there. I mean, you're going on what ended up being the biggest run of your career, and you're, you have the momentum, you, you're doing well, and then that happens, something disrupts your rhythm. How do you keep your head in there and not completely lose it? Because we've seen players, men and women, where something like this happens, and then the wheels completely come off and they lose the match. So how were you able to overcome and keep your emotions in check when clearly something that you were not a fan of took place? Well, the thing is, it already happened to me once before, and it was the final I, I didn't really want to get into. And I, I didn't show it like I did, you know, in the Wimby match, but the wheels came off silently. And if... I still to this day believe if, if that medical timeout then didn't happen, the outcome of the match would have been different. Of course, to say that now is, you know, it's rich coming from me, but that's just my maybe subjective opinion. And when that happened in this match, like all that flashed was that match in front of my brain, you know? So that's where kind of the emotional um, reaction came out. And I genuinely thought it was a tactic because if... And I made this so clear after the match because, and of course, nobody really picked it up because they just want a story. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing was calling the trainer at 4-0. Like if you did it at the changeover, I would probably just smirk and think, okay, I'm ready for it. I, I probably saw it coming. But for you to go and sit to the bench after losing, I don't know, like 20 points in a row um, and before my serve, it just, I just, I mean, I just saw black and um, yeah. I reacted. So it wasn't, it wasn't calculated. It was just a reaction that came out. And, and to this day, I mean, it was, it was genuine from my side. So I, I still really believe it. I mean, you're a competitor too. We have to put this in context. This is professional sports. This is your living. Like we're not saying everybody needs to confront and get agitated at all times, but this is the battlefield out there. You know, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, basketball yeah. players, football players, hockey players, you name it, they get intense. They get, you know, in, in moments like this where they see red. And, you know, I don't think I don't think yeah. you were wrong for feeling that way, especially as you said when it was called not at the changeover on your serve. But also what I think some people don't understand that maybe aren't really tennis-like people is that when she came back, that was a completely different match than what it was before the timeout. There was like 12 minutes that passed. I didn't have that momentum anymore. Yeah, I'm up for zero, which is a big lead, but 
especially on grass, you know how quickly that can slip out of your hands. If I mean, I got broken the next mm-hmm. game. And I, to this day, I've never felt that nervous to close out something because I knew if I didn't close it out, no matter the reason, it would have haunted me for a long time. And I, and I knew in that moment, I don't know if it was smart for me to think that, but I remember telling myself, like, if this goes sideways, I don't know how I'm going to recover from this one because you don't, I felt so in control the whole match before that. So not the whole, but like once I was up for a zero. Um, so people kind of miss that. It's not just 12 minutes of no tennis. It's a, it was a completely new match after you know, that wasn't the only storyline at Wimbledon, and I have to bring up the full storyline, is that there was this, like, couples run going on that saw <laughs> your boyfriend, Matteo Berrettini, make the final. Um, you know, and I, and I think that was an interesting I mean, situation, was, it's too. It's so rude to overshadow me like that. <laughs> it was kind of rude that you have your breakthrough run and he makes I the know. final. Uh, but, no, I think, it's, I think it's an interesting situation, too, because it clearly seems like you guys are pushing each other and feeding off each other going forward, but... I do I do think that, you know, you know how it is with the media and with entertainment and everything that two players dating both have success in the same major. It's going to be talked about a lot and a lot. And I, I feel like this was one of the few times where you guys were you you in particular were able to just kind of block it out and make sure that, you know, things kept going strong and you kept winning matches. Yeah, I mean, I well, he has been going deep into tournaments for a while now. And I always thought, oh, my gosh, how cool would it be if we're both, like, doing great, you know? But you never know when that would happen. So, but the more interesting thing was that um, there was also Felix um, that's dating my cousin. So we were all playing every day on the same day. So it was always, like, a joke. Well, we got to be three out of three. So we made it all to the quarters. And then it was impossible. (laughs) Yeah. And then they played each other. So at least we had one there. Um, but honestly, like, I don't know, it would, I'm happy that it happened that way because it made it that, that much more special. And then, I mean, I got to sit at a Wimbledon final, so I'm not complaining about that. Yeah. He also, I mean, if you're going to lose, lose to the guy with the most grand slams ever and, you know, play well in the first set, no shame there. Uh, and then also going to the Euro, Euro cup final after, which I mean, I know it was, you know, you lose the, you lose the Wimbledon final, you're not gonna be in the best of moods, but. Yeah, that had to be a pretty good consolation prize to see Italy win. And I have to think you being next to just a rabid Italian watching that had to be an experience of it. It's probably like playing a final in and of itself. Well, actually, when he lost the the his final, um, his team like left to go watch the 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 soccer match because it was just starting and then it was just me and him left and he had to do a lot of stuff. So he was then maybe like in an hour or so and he came and and it was almost half time. He's like, no, you, we don't have to go. He, he knew I wasn't a huge fan of soccer. And he was like, we don't have to go. And he was kind of down. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I mean, he's going to look back and be like, I'm an idiot. I should have gone. So I was like, no, 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 let's just go from here and we'll make for the second, like the second half. So we get there. And I mean, I'm not a fan of soccer, but that was pretty cool to witness. So I was excited. And then when they weren't scoring in the in the second, like, I don't know if it was one all for a while. I was just cheering for them to go to penalties because I love watching that. And honestly, I have so many videos of him that I haven't posted where he actually gets mad at me because for me, like he was more entertaining than the actual game. Like his reactions, I mean, they're so, Italians in general are so passionate. And 
even the whole like time during in the bubble when when Italy was playing, he was like screaming in the lounge. So he was so embarrassing to sit next to. So he was absolutely like it was the best decision to go and watch that after they won. I mean, I, I think it's something he's never gonna forget. Those penalties were insane, and just being there and. I think it's probably best for a good decision on you not to just post everything, or you could. I mean, I just think it might just be crazy to see the entire entire reaction of. I mean, I didn't even Mateo think Garnett. people would. I don't know. I just posted, and I was like, "Well, this is funny to me." But I mean, the amount of people that like started reposting it was crazy. That is nuts. I, I had one other thing that's unrelated to that uh, about the relationship. It was an ATP World Tour uh, uncovered TV show where they were interviewing the players in Madrid this year. And uh, the topic of coffee came up. And I have a quote here from Mateo that it says that you made him drink Americanos a couple of times. And uh, he's pretty ashamed of that. His Italian roots are hurt. So I don't know if you want to clear that up. Oh, and he doesn't drink espressos anymore. He didn't mention that either. He'll do like a, like sometimes maybe out of 10 like twice he'll do like a double espresso if he doesn't have time but he secretly loves the fact that he can sip on it and it just lasts longer so he's ashamed but he loves it so, okay so you're 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 saying that's a half truth there's 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 still some enjoyment there okay yes we'll, we'll get to the bottom of that for sure mother's day is around the corner Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ila Tomjanovic was featured on Tennis Channel's series, My Tennis Life, along with American Tennis Sangren. And nothing was funnier this year than at the tail end of our interview, breaking the news to Sangren of who his first-round opponent at Roland Garros would be. And it wasn't good news. Tennis Sangren, thank you again for joining TC Inside In. Appreciate you coming on. Best of luck at the French Open, tournaments beyond. And uh, learning the banjo. I think that's the primary goal. So learn the banjo and then play. <laughs> learning the banjo is the primary goal. I agree. I agree. Also, I think the draw came out while we've been on the podcast. Probably did. I've been getting texts. I've been getting texts about about how terrible my draw is. So I don't. I don't know who it is. But uh, we know. I could. We can. Yeah. Well, it'll be out by now. We can break this right now because that's yeah. Funny. The, the draw. I did mean, come might out. as well. I think. I think my draw sucks. You might maybe take a look. Yeah, it's funny because it's a Thursday draw. You know, keeping keeping mm. uh, up to date on everything. Well, let's pull it up for you right now. This will be a this will be a great way to end to just break the news <laughs> of, of who you're actually playing. Uh, let's find it down there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to be the one to tell you this, but you're playing. No, tell me, Djokovic. Um. <laughs> Sorry, damn. I really didn't want to, have to tell you that. <laughs> I didn't have to scroll very damn. far though. That was good. I just I've, was the first. I've never. Um, uh, I've never had my, my draw get broken on a podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I look, look, I, I, I don't want to sound brass or anything like that, but I like the, the challenge of playing the, I th who I think is the best player on the planet. Um, maybe not on that court. I mean, maybe, maybe Rafa's the best player, um, in Paris on, on, uh, what's the, was Chatrier is the main court. Yeah, um, Chatrier. May, I mean, may, maybe Rafa's the best player in the world on that court, but, but I think just in general, I think Novak's the best player in the world. So, um, 
to have that opportunity. I, that's how I've looked at it when I've played him in the past. And it hasn't gone very well. I mean, <laughs> whether, whether I think that or not, but like I, I enjoy the, I don't know, you know, there's no, there's no harm, no foul. I get to put my skills up against the guy who I think is the best ever to do it. That's cool. That's cool as shit. I, I'm going to say shit. I, I mean, I play Novak. I can We're say good. I, uh, I think it's cool. So, I mean, I'd prefer something else, but you know, that's, that's, uh, it'll be interesting. Well, you've taken a set off him in a major before, so take that yeah. as a positive going into it. And, What's interesting uh, about that is that I won that I won that third set, and I knew that I lost the match. <laughs> the match was <laughs> over. I was so tired. It was so humid that that New York swing was yeah. so hot and humid. Um, I had already gone through like ten shirts, and it was in going into the fourth set. And I distinctly remember winning the breaker and thought, "Well, this match is over," but not in like the good way, like in the, in the way that like there's no way I can sustain this level anymore. And that's one of the reasons why I've pushed my fitness harder and harder and harder. Was like, well, if if I ever want to compete with this guy in a slam, I have to be in better shape. And if I'm not training for that, then what what am I training for? And so that's kind of why I've you know kept getting in better shape is for matches like that. And so, um. I guess that's kind of how it works you know mm-hmm. guys push the push they they set the bar you set the bar really high it's like well shoot what am i gonna have to do to get there and you don't even you don't even realize you know where the sport can go that's probably why we've had three of the best players ever at the same time as they push each other but yeah it'll be fun man regardless <laughs> of what happens it'll be fun and i'm saying that but if i go down two sets to love and a break or something like that yeah i'm having so much fun <laughs> this is great <laughs> It never gets old listening to that, just personally. Well, Coco Vandeway is somebody who knows all about experiencing highs and lows on the court. She joined Tennis Channel Inside In to discuss her unique approach to the game, playing doubles with Ash Barty before she made it big, and what her ideal send-off would be. Do you think other tennis players kind of think like you? I mean, have this like... No. Yeah, okay. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to... That would have been my guess, but I wanted to hear you say it. With With... With the royalty that you were naming off, I mean, I've had so many people around and and have had genius minds to pick as far as like it goes from people that have accomplished great things. And and I'm so spoiled in that way. And it almost was like a detriment because I had so many voices I could ask. I mean, you know, just not only within my own family, but, you know, the friends of, of my family that would show up for dinner and stuff like that. The amount of times Bill Walton just like cruised into my house was like <laughs> every week. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, wow. it's, it sounds like super crazy to say like that's normal, but it was normal. It was normal to hear, you know, Bill Walton talk about John Wooden and my grandfather compare stories because, you know, he was always around and all that stuff. And it's definitely put a different perspective, but I also had to learn on my own. And and that took me a lot longer than I thought it would, honestly. <laughs> I think everyone can say it like, oh yeah, at 18, I thought I was mature and knew everything, but turned oh, out I yeah. really didn't. <laughs> Nobody does. Uh, Coco Vandeway here on Tennis Channel Inside In. What was uh, the 2018 US Open doubles run? You got to play with Ash Barty before pretty much everybody else knew just how special she was. You probably were on the ground floor for that. I'm just trying to figure out if anybody in the world has anything bad to say about her. So I don't think it's going to be you, but. <laughs> well, I mean, I could pick something. I can, I can <laughs> yeah. say she she's the first one that tapped out at, on our celebration party. So that's oh. that's my bad thing about her. <laughs> but other other than that, I mean, she's she's a great girl. Um, you know, when we first started playing at the time, I was I was a higher ranked player and 
and we only played like seven tournaments together. We didn't play all that much because either she was sick or I was injured. So we, we never really got to play, but we still made year end championships, won a grand slam. But I tease her that I gave when she was, uh, won the French, I teased her that I gave her a start because, you know, you got to learn how to win a grand slam. So, you know, it was, it was me that helped her get that grand slam, that first one under her belt. So don't forget the little people. <laughs> You pushed her on her way. You gave her that nudge she needed. And uh, yeah, I mean, history <laughs> should thank you, Australia especially. Um, I hope they hear the sarcasm in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So is it safe to say that, you know, that 20, this recent run in Birmingham where you go through the gauntlet, get to a semi, not the U.S. Open, not the Australian Open, but it kind of seems like it meant more to you to just have to earn it and get to that point and actually enjoy playing tennis again and see some results. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I had to play qualies. I, you know, there's little things that people don't see that, you know, you have to do to get through qualifying and kind of, uh, you know, just even something so silly as like, oh, yeah, I got to sign in on Friday at before 5 p.m. Like, I forgot I have to do this. And it's, it was so satisfying to be able to do it because I hadn't put a lot of matches back to back. Um, I'd had some spurts and some kicks here and there. And, and I was happy to the players I, I had beaten and the fashion that I was doing it in felt so good that it was definitely really validating for kind of like all the bumps in the road that I had hit. Coco Vandeway on Tennis Channel Inside In. A couple more things before we wrap this up. I think your new lease on tennis is seems like you're rejuvenated and it's hard to predict what's on the horizon given the current climate that we are, but just getting the chance to get back onto the court and put together some results has to be pushing you towards, you know, your goals and, and whatever they may be. I know you have that mythical birthday coming up, but there's still a lot of tennis <laughs> left. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, uh, you see it in all these players, everyone's playing until an older age and you know what? I have almost three years of, of life that I didn't play. So I got, I got time. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. I, when I, when I fall out of love with tennis again, I'll let you know. And I'll, you'll, you'll see me wave goodbye. <laughs> I, I told a few of my friends, I, I told Shelby and Bethany and stuff like that. I was like, you know, when I finally do retire, I want all these like refs and WTA people and all these people that I've harassed and, and like yeah. complained to and like given a hard time. I want to do like a roast, you know, like on Comedy Central, like a roast. And I want them to absolutely roast me players. Anyone can oh. join. Like, that's what I want for a retirement party. Just and want I think to that's burn it all down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that would be a, that would be a refreshing one. Uh, I don't think anyone would see that coming if you just said, all right, now everybody, <laughs> you, you play your last match, you lose or you win a title. And it's like, all right, now everybody's coming out to roaster. I think that'd be. Yeah. Be just neat. do it. I would love it. It's so well-deserved. I was lucky enough to speak to a pair of our guests in person this year, one of which was Taylor Townsend, who was working on air as a talent at TC after the birth of her first child. Townsend pulled no punches talking about her experiences, the ups and downs of life, and a few hobbies she has and doesn't have. Check it out now. Is playing doubles and something that you've gotten good at and you won the title in Auckland mm -hmm. and, and played with different partners, 
did that come from just wanting to take a positive? Did you always like doubles or was yeah. that, oh, you were always. Yeah. yeah. I've always loved doubles. I've always loved, cause I love team stuff. I yeah, just never team played. Yeah. And, yeah. I just never played team sports, but I was yeah. like, I think I was made for them. Honestly. <laughs> You're playing tennis. Might not have been perfect <laughs> for that personality, but no, as a, as a doubles players, we talked about different partners. I think Asia Muhammad, mm-hmm. you settled on. Is that like your full time? Like <laughs> that's your partner? Yeah. I mean, we, we talk and we're really good friends. So, I mean, we can like, we'll say, okay, we're going to commit to playing these tournaments. Kind of like how you asked about yeah. picking a doubles partner. So say, okay, I'm going to play in this, 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 and this, or we're going to play in this, yeah. or this is my single schedule. Like what's your schedule? Like you, you kind of have to coincide with each other and figure out what makes sense. But both Asia and I play singles. So doubles isn't our priority when we're saying okay we're going to play these tournaments like it's always singles and then doubles comes after but um yeah I mean we've create created a relationship over the years where we can just be transparent but it's been a handful of times where we play together one week and then we don't play together the next week because we weren't able to get in that's what happened in Auckland like I wasn't I didn't play with Asia in in Australia and after we won in Auckland because we weren't going to get in Wow. So it just kind of happens that way. It's pretty crazy that your doubles title, you beat Serena <laughs> yeah. and Wozniacki right before she retired. Right. Like this dream team. Yeah. And you guys were the spoilers that just <laughs> ruined that moment. But no, it was it was a pretty, had to be a pretty surreal thing to not only get your first WTA title, but to beat the greatest of all time to do it. Yeah. I mean, me and Asia have been so close, like five times and just never were able to get over the hump. So it was really cool for us to be able to like, wrap it all up and be like yes we finally did it and that's what we said yeah. like when i got we were like finally like we've been so close so um yeah but we played great in that match mm-hmm. and we were just super focused and try not to look on the other side of the net we we're just you, like no well you know you've also been someone that that's very straightforward with god has a plan for everything and mm-hmm. becoming a mother congrats again thank on that. you and uh you know that that experience has been, you know, had to be very changing and challenging at times. Yeah. But do you feel like that opportunity has brought on just a new perspective in not just tennis, but life itself too? Absolutely. Like it's very easy because you get caught up in the world of you travel new place every week, living out of a suitcase. Like it's easy to get caught up in feeling as though like tennis is everything you know this is all that we do this is our life this is how we make our living like this is everything um and how you do dictate sometimes how you feel your moods like you know if you're not feeling well you're just like oh this sucks you know yeah um but definitely being away from the game unintentionally because <laughs> this was an accident <laughs> yeah you said it that's, yeah. that's your words I, yes i own that okay um aiden if you listen to this i'm sorry but it's true <laughs> um, a happy accident yes Let's call it that. Bob exactly Ross style, yeah um but just forcibly being away from the game since basically september of u.s open last year um i've never watched this much tennis in my entire career like it's just given me such a appreciation for the game and also a love again for it that it's like I really truly miss playing and being out on the court and competing and just those feelings so it's definitely giving me a different perspective and having a child has given me the motivation that I didn't have when I was playing before he came because it's like now I have a why like I have a reason to go out here and like 
every time that I'm away from home, even being here, like every time I'm away from home, it's giving me that drive to do the best that I can because I'm taking time away from being away from my son, you know? So playing for something. Yeah. Yeah. So it gives me a why and it gives me a reason, a real reason to, for everything. And, um, it, it sticks. And I also just thought like, when I, I've been associated with Tennis Channel for like six years, there wasn't really many moms on tour, if any, yeah. back then. You had Kim Kleister's take a break, come back. But yeah. now it's Serena, Zarenka, Parankova, yourself, a couple yeah. others as well. Yeah. There's there's a place for it now. The game is getting older, but I think women are seeing that they could have a child. They don't have to just retire and have kids. Yeah, I think that's been the mantra for like women's sports in general. Like even back in with the WNBA and like people who have kids, just like, okay, it's over. And um, – so I like that the game is changing in that way because it opens up the opportunity for you to say, hey, like, no, I'm not done. I have more. Like, and that's how I feel. Like, I'm only 25. So it seems as though, like, I've been on the tour for a decade, which sounds ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's crazy to even think yeah. about that. But it's like I have so much more to to give. And, like, you look at players, Pagula, uh, Madison Key, Sloan, who peaked in their – mid to late 20s and are playing the, their best tennis so yeah i i'm fortunate honestly and i can't wait to get back out there and georgie just won the rogers cup at 29 yeah, exactly biggest tournament ever and, exactly. and i do think your style of play could suit you as you get older too yeah. with more experience taylor this was awesome thanks for coming and chatting with us on the podcast and one last thing yeah because I've heard the person filming right now, Charlene, said you love to dance and you love music. <laughs> I Those do. Those two big interests for you. I do. I love music. I, I mean, I like to dance. I think I can dance, but when I look at it on camera, okay. it looks terrible. So I'm just going to have that in my brain, but I'll bust a move. You know, I, Anytime. Did, some, I did some beatboxing in the in the thing so uh <laughs> yeah. anytime like pre-match did it calm you down like when you have nerves like get a little dancing oh my god so in juniors i used to have these big bright beats you remember the yeah, be- yeah, big yeah. beats had like these you're the colored ones i had yeah, the like orange red? ones oh orange. yeah okay. i had orange and my doubles partner gabby had a purple one so you remember you could switch out the things so i would have a purple thing on one side <laughs> she had the orange one and i literally would like be just jamming like jumping up and down like just I used to dance like crazy because I think that was like my nervous energy yeah. and I was getting it out. So now I'm like more, mm, like I'm just trying to be calm. We got triple threat now. We got tennis player, TV personality, professional dancer, maybe. No, no. I, in my mind, <laughs> in like mind. on my Best Insta- dancer of all time in your mind. Oh, I no, <laughs> no, no, don't put, don't do that okay. to me. But on my Instagram feed, literally that's always like, I just want to be able to dance but I can't, but I want to like that's I just look at professional like choreographers and stuff. And I'm just, this is so cool. Like, you guys look so cool. Oh, <laughs> did I mention we're an international show? Well, if not, I should have shortly after he won the Miami open. I spoke with the events champion on the men's side, Hubert Herkosh, the top 10 player from Poland explained what clicked for him that week, how his reputation on tour changed and why he just can't get enough of one tennis shot in particular. In that run, Hubie, did you feel like it was all coming together? Like after one or two of those wins, maybe the Sitsipas quarterfinal match, was it a turning point where you felt your game and your confidence were were rising? Yeah, I felt like uh, from the like uh, after the match with with Dennis and then Milos, I, I really 
felt confident in my game and really had that uh, belief in myself that uh, I'm playing really well here. And if I'm able to to compete and, and play on a steady level, then uh, then maybe something something special can happen there. I think you also, it's obvious in the results, the proof is in the pudding, that you relish the underdog role and, and you don't get intimidated. There's players that, for whatever reason, when they're the underdog, when they're not expected to win, they're, they aren't able to raise their level. But it was the opposite with you. You were fine being the one that wasn't talked about, the one that wasn't expected to be there. You just kept producing. Yeah, I think like, uh, yeah, like I wasn't... Uh, I mean, after a couple of rounds, I I wasn't the favorite to win the tournaments and all the uh, all the I mean all the all the media and the the, the fans were were thinking about other players and I was just like kind of like going uh, going my way just like match by step by step match by match and I was just like kind of like getting there and uh, yes yeah, so I was. I think I was in a really good spot there in in Miami with with my mental game and and my my tennis wise we we put in like so much so much work before with 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 my coach CB so so yeah that 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 really paid off there. What was it like playing? Who you've said is your best friend on tour and Yannick Sitter, a guy you had just played doubles with in Dubai <laughs> weeks before. What was it like playing him in such a big final? Yeah, that was that was really special. I mean, Yannick is an amazing player. He's so young and he has achieved so much. I mean, like me at this at his age. I mean, I was, <laughs> I mean, I was so so far far behind. But like uh, him and his uh, his game style, the 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 way he plays, it's uh, I mean, it's really he's gonna be really like future star of this game. He has like this, this something in inside him, the the mental side that he just like uh, can produce those shots. It's super important moments. So, it was uh, I mean, it was it was really special to to play with him in such a such a big stage. And uh, yeah, I hope I'll I'll be able to to play with him some some more big finals in the future. Well, it's certainly trending that way for both of you guys um, since that final, Hubie. Have you felt more eyes on you? Have you felt maybe targeted by, you know, players that realize, okay, you're you're a legit threat now? Do you think the pressure is ratcheted up? I know it's only been a few short weeks, but have you felt mm-hmm. any of that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it felt like a bit different, like the, the, the first, first tournaments, but I mean, you just... Uh, Think that the stuff that we're we're doing before, we just try to to stay on track on the, on the things that we want to improve, get better, and and uh, just do our things. Don't don't change after, don't change anything after after winning the, the the big title. Just just be ourselves and and do our things to to get better. A few more things with Hubie Herkosh on the Tennis Channel Insight in podcast. Uh, pleasure talking to you, Hubie. I, I do need to ask now. This is the time. Mm-hmm. When did the tweener become such a staple of your arsenal? Because you're the guy now that we Me. turn to. I know Kyrgios <laughs> and Bublik are making making waves, but you're winning these points when you try it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just like uh, I always loved this shot when I was a younger kid. Like, I was like dream of like hitting really, really clean ones and nice ones. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of like came I think out of nowhere my coach Craig like really hated when I was doing it but uh, I mean 
as long as I'm 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 winning points, I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, he's fine with it, so, so I just gotta gotta win points there. The one you hit in the UTR event against Mackenzie McDonald, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. And uh, it's like time kind of stopped. Everybody on the side by that <laughs> house just stood still. Yeah, that was uh, that was a fun one. That was probably yeah the the best one I ever ever hit. So I mean, I was like he had a drop shot and like he like got into the net and like before like hitting my like slice cross court, I knew that my next shot is gonna be a twinner. So I was just like prepared for it like yeah. <laughs> before it happened. So that was <laughs> that was that was kind of funny. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sticking with our global theme, I was able to chat with the Ukraine's Marta Kostuk this summer as well. Kostuk turned 19 in 2021 and celebrated the year in style by making the fourth round at the French Open and cracking the top 50 for the first time in her young career. Listen as Kostuk details that experience at Roland Garros here now on Tennis Channel Inside In. You know, the competition between between the players, Fidelina, yourself, Yastremska, a lot of other players that are coming up, it seems like you guys are kind of pushing each other, similarly to how the American women have been having collective success for the last couple decades. I, I agree. Uh, when, I was, when I was younger, I couldn't deal with this throughout like my tough, tough years, okay? That I couldn't like even give it a thought that I also need to compete in a way against these girls. So for me at the at the times it was tough to understand that they actually make me a better player because if if they were not there, I wouldn't kind of you know see it or like be close to it, you know, because it's very precious time that we spend together at the Fed Cups as well. Yeah you need to like you can't underestimate it because the person like Alina okay she was top 10 for for years now and the fact that i can spend time with her and like being close to her and realizing that it's actually possible you know that people who are top 10 you know they're alive and they're they're, they're in the, the flesh, same yeah. as you you know they're also humans yeah you know it's 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 a funny thing, but it's very important to to have it in life. It's it's honestly it, it brings a lot of difference, and it took me some time to realize that this competition that we have between us is actually helping me grow. Uh, and I believe that as soon as you understand and as soon as you can deal with it, which is very important, deal with this competition in between girls. Um, then you then it's gonna it's it's only gonna help you and i believe that there are another um young girls coming up and we're gonna we're gonna probably see some more and more great names in the top 100 from ukraine marta kostuk on tennis channel inside in and those young girls are gonna probably look up to you now that's how this works um especially after the french yeah. open this year uh i want to mention that 2021 roland garros 
Started with a bang for you beating uh, a, a former champion, Garbini Muguruza, in, in straight sets. You make the fourth round. You end up losing in a tightly contested match to the defending champ, Swiatek. But fourth round breakthrough at a slam, and you were 18 at the time. So this was you putting it all together from the outside. Did something feel right going into that tournament? Because you were coming off of having COVID, not having been played a lot. What clicked in that week, week, week and a half long run where you were able to put it together? So I had some uh, some important changes in my life before before Langaros. Uh, they were not bad. They were not bad, but uh, they were great. So that helped me for sure. I don't know. I came I came to Paris. I was there alone for a day, and uh, Ricardo Piatti uh, helped me. And I was practicing with the sparring, and Ricardo told me like, "This is the best I've seen you play since I know you." And it was just like I was playing so good, like so naturally, you know, naturally good. And um, and after I came out of that practice, I saw the draw, and I started crying <laughs> because I was I was disappointed. You know, I knew I'm in a good shape. I practiced really well. I uh, almost healed my shoulder, so I was not in pain. Finally, for the first time in months. And I was in, I was really enjoying playing tennis and, you know, I started crying because I was disappointed that I got the top draw and, you know, and all this work for nothing, you know, and I was like, uh, and I was crying and I called my mom, I called my mom and I was crying and she, she's an unbelievable woman. And she, she calmed me down in a second. And when I played with Garbinia, we had the night like last match. And uh, we started mad like after 8 p.m. or so, something like this. And I woke up in the morning and all I was thinking about the whole day is this match. And it was very tiring because because I, I love to play like first, second match because you wake up, you do your routine, you warm up, you wait for the match and it's all pretty quick. So you don't get you don't have this extra time to think about the match. For me, the biggest fear I had going into this match was uh, not losing, but uh, not showing. Uh, not, not fighting, what I'm not showing of. up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. It's it's pressure because we've seen Garbini play a lot of big matches, and we've seen players like yourself with a lot of potential that they just get rattled in that moment. And you know, I think part of that is you didn't crumble. You played tough through the tournament. You play with a lot of passion and a lot of emotion. And I think, you know, the, the Swiatek match, yeah. some of that emotion was let out. You know, you, there was some rumbling, some yelling there. But I think in some cases, you're specific, you're specifically, that sort of emotional outburst and outlook helps you. Do you think you play better when you have more passion and you're really in the moment? Yeah, I think it helps me. Just there is a very fine line between being uh, passionate and let the emotions out, and uh, being frustrated and uh, just uh, burning out the energy and not helping and giving the not helping yourself and um, and giving a lot of energy and opportunities to the to the opponent. There is a very fine line that some that sometimes I cross. Unfortunately, but that's that's my 
probably like not not um, the, the the side that I need to improve, but I'm improving. So I think this is this is very important. And yeah, I, it it definitely helps me. But the the problem with me being very passionate and emotional is that not many people uh, that I was surrounded with could handle it. You know, because since I was very young, uh, when I was you know having different coaches and different opinions about me everyone was telling me that the fact that I am who I am, so basically the fact that I'm emotional and I'm passionate is bad. Mm. And I need to change that. Like, if I'm going to change that, I'm going to be very good. But not many people understand that this is part of me, that I can't just erase. You have erase. to be yourself. I mean, you have to be yourself, yeah. too. That's, that's part exactly. of it. Exactly. I can improve. Yeah. I can do things better, but I can't change myself. So... Um, and it's on my advantage. So I'm uh, like balancing with it. Here's an open secret in the world of pro tennis. You ready? Nobody's nicer than Shelby Rogers. We caught up during the clay court swing about a variety of topics, including what her goals are, her Tampa Bay Lightning fandom. They won two Stanley Cups, one since we chatted. And how she constantly draws Ash Barty in tournaments. And wouldn't you know it, Shelby had a career highlight for the ages a few months after our interview when she rallied to beat Barty at the U.S. Open. This is Shelby Rogers foreshadowing her own future on Tennis Channel Inside In. You've gotten to your career high in ranking a lot later than I think most players that normally reach that mark. Do you think this is more of a byproduct of tennis that you know players are aging a little better? Do you think it's specific to you and the injury history that you've had? Why do you think you're a late bloomer, so to speak? Yeah, I think that injuries definitely had a play in it. I also think just, you know, my body developing it the right way, um, learning how to manage my game a little bit better, uh, becoming a little more mature, understanding, you know, how to manage travel, all these different things just takes maybe a little bit longer for some players. Also just, you know, believing that you belong. I mean, there's so many different factors that play into it, but I definitely... I mean, would I like to have those that year, year and a half off, you know, that I missed? Yeah, of course. But did I, did I learn things that I, you know, wouldn't have without it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super grateful for it. I think, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? So I've just yeah. got to use what I've been dealt and, and make the most of it. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do now. You learned some things like how hard it is to be on the other side of it, <laughs> broadcasting matches because it's a tiring job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was more nervous commentating than I was playing a tennis match. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and you mentioned your goals and, and how excited you were for what you've accomplished, but still having more to accomplish, more things to check off your checklist. I'm just curious, what are some of those things in the short term and in the long term that you're looking to achieve? I mean, number one is always stay healthy so I can keep playing. Um, win the WTA title, that's something that I haven't done yet. That's at the very top of my list. You know, and just keep moving the ranking up and keep evolving my game and, you know, beating the best players in the world. I think there's, like I said, there's always more that you can do. Even the best players in the world have goals, you know, and want to get better. So I think just keeping a good perspective, staying healthy, and then, yeah, winning all the matches. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good goal. I don't know if it's realistic, but maybe. Maybe we'll have to talk to Roger and see if that was his goal back in the mid-2000s there. Uh, no, it's it's – it's the right attitude to have. It's something to go forward. And I just want to know, what can we do? What can I do so that you avoid Ash Barty in these draws? Well, nothing at the moment because I play our first yeah. round in Madrid. So maybe next week uh, we can we can try again. Like but, a seance you know, or something, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, loving the challenge, you know, like I say, every time I play her, it, that's what we play for to play the best in the world. And if you got to, to beat the best, to be the best. So it's um, going to be another great challenge and another opportunity to really see what my game can do. So if you, if you can't get excited about playing Ash, I don't know what you will get excited for. And you give her tough matches too. I mean, she's on another tear and she's, you know, everybody talks about you being nice. She's super nice as well. It's, it's, it's ridiculous how, uh, how humble she seems to maintain after all her success, but your matches have been tough with her twice in Australia in her home country. Both were pretty exciting. And even in Charleston, it was a good competitive match. So your, your game is not far off of somebody who, I guess that's another positive sign is the best or the second best in the world right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's one of my favorite people on tour. Love, love her and how down to earth she is and just an incredible human being all around as well as talented at pretty much everything she she touches. So, um, I mean, I'm excited for another battle. I know it's not going to be easy and she's been such an incredible ambassador for our sport and is a great number one for us. So couldn't be more proud of her for that. But at the same time, uh, yeah, ready for <laughs> ready for another great match and She's definitely not going to give you any easy points. So, yeah, I'll prepare again and, you know, just try to bring my my best out there. I'll get the Ouija board out next time, and we'll try to figure <laughs> out a way to just, just mix up mix up you having to play her. Um, a couple more things before we wrap this up with Shelby Rogers on Tennis Channel Inside In. All right, we'll talk about it. The Tampa Bay Lightning, your, your Tampa Bay Lightning were uh, Stanley Cup champs last year. So congrats on that. And Thank I you. Just Let's know, go. I just want to know what the experience was like because you have a lot of travel. You were playing tennis in, in different parts of the world, so not able to maybe see all these games and moments live. But what was the run like watching them, with the exception of the five-overtime game, because we don't have to mention that, but just winning the Stanley Cup, what was that like? Oh, we can, we can mention that all you want. Oh, <laughs> I, I literally turned on the game, went to practice, came back, and it was still on. Um, but... <laughs> It was really cool, actually, because the playoffs were going on while we were in New York, and they had this really cool outdoor area with a big screen and projector. So a lot of the games were being played. You know, the the tennis players were enjoying it, watching some different sports out there. Um, but I would post every time they'd win a game, and the <laughs> everybody's getting so annoyed because every time they would win, I would post something on my Instagram, and everybody, I'd get so many rolling eye emojis. And uh, but it was really cool to watch them watch them win. Uh, and go all the way just you know after the big letdown from a great season before and then you saw Stamkos come back after his injury and score a goal that was and, the like, moment right like yeah his, I mean if you didn't have scored, a tear during yeah. that you're not a fan <laughs> uh it was just yeah for, to have him like actually play a role in winning the Stanley Cup too is cool um but everything was just picture perfect about that win hopefully they can repeat this year it'll be a fun fun one to watch as well well, there's nothing better than that celebration on the ice after they've won and uh, the handshake line and then seeing each player, especially the ones that haven't won before, lift the cup for the first time. It just gives you chills watching it. Uh, but I, I do think that this year they, they have a chance. They're in the mix again with the new format with the divisions. You also mentioned that your coach is a Panthers fan. We've got other fans of players on tour, uh, other players on tour that are fans of different teams. I know Isner's a big Hurricanes fan, Sebastian. Oh, Porter yes, he is, and I don't yeah. hear the end of it, <laughs> especially now they've already clinched. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I, you got your coach in one corner, Isner in the other. These are division matchups, so it. it I know the Brutal. trash talk's got to be getting pretty good, especially in Team Rogers. 
Yeah, Isner was throwing me a little trash talk in Miami. I think the Canes are about to play the Bolts or something. I just he's like, we're coming for you. Now they're first in the division. I oh, I can't stand it. But you know what? Playoffs are what matters. So we'll see what happens. And last, but certainly not least, it's Lauren Davis who packs a whole lot of competitiveness inside her five foot two inch frame. Davis explains where her fighting spirit comes from what it was like getting to represent Team USA in the Fed Cup, and why she can't stop taking photos with tall tennis players. I keep coming back to that fighting spirit and, you know, the ability to battle out there and to, to play well and play tough when your best game isn't there. Where does that come from for you? Is that something ingrained in you? Do you look at inspiration at other players, your parents, your family? Where does that fighting spirit come from? Yeah, um, I've been a fighter ever since I was young. <laughs> Um, my brother and I are two years apart and we used to fight all the time and I used to beat him up at times. And so that probably helped like in the development. Um, but yeah, I, I've always fought for and scraped, scraped and, and fought for everything that I have. Yeah. I know that anything good and worthwhile takes, takes hard work. And yeah, when I played soccer, when I was young, I was a fighter and always fought for the ball and, yeah, my, I would say my grandma is, is definitely a fighter as well. Like she's got that feisty spirit. Okay. And so I think I probably picked some of that up from her as well. <laughs> well definitely not one to back down from confrontation, though. Luckily, tennis, there's not going to be <laughs> as many confrontations as some of the other sports. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Except when you have a ball at the top of the net. That's and true. You're not sure whether to go to the side or peg her or what <laughs> that sibling rivalry i think it breeds a lot of just great level athletes uh, as well as i think know, so too yeah you, you didn't mention you know being from northeast ohio as well i'm sure that it comes from there as well um, yes exactly <laughs> some other moments of your career i wanted to mention um you've gotten the chance the opportunity to play in several fed cup ties what's that experience been like i mean not just playing with players in your era but you've got to play with the williams sisters <laughs> among others and just a lot of a lot of legendary players that uh, you've been able to play alongside and be teammates with. What have those Fed Cup experiences been like? Yeah, Fed Cup is one of my favorite things to do because it's just so different. We're part of a team and having the team camaraderie and getting to know um, maybe some of your fellow Americans that you wouldn't have really known before. So yeah, having played with Serena and Venus was definitely super cool. Um, I assume they would be retiring fairly soon. So I, I probably won't, wouldn't get that opportunity again, but you never know. I'm not going to say that, okay. but, but yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it was really exciting and they're really cool, good people. And so just to get to, to know them behind the scenes was, was a great experience for me. You're kind of active on social media. And uh, one of the first things that jumps out at me is you have a lot of photos on there of you and tall people. <laughs> so there's a I lot do. of photos with you and, you know, Opelka, Kevin Anderson, just, a lot of tall people. John Isner. So John Isner. So uh, is that the strategy? Is that the marketing plan? Just I know you brand yourself as fun size, but is that the plan to always <laughs> put yourself out there with just abnormally large people? Yeah, I think it's so funny. Like I get, I get a kick out of it because like they're some of the tall, tallest players on the men's tour and I'm one of the shortest on the women's tour. So yeah, the gap is just insane. And honestly, I'd love to play doubles with one of them someday. I was, I was going to ask Riley to see if he wanted to play at US Open last year, but um, I was told that he doesn't really play much doubles. So I was like, dang it. Um, maybe I'll ask John or something next year. We'll see. <laughs> we need it just for 
you know, you guys doing well and then the trophy ceremony because that's what we need. Yes. For, just the trophy yes. picture. Because that would be how, amazing. I don't know how we would do that. I don't know if it would fit into the broadcast <laughs> standards, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, that that photo would go viral for sure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the 2021 Best of Tennis Channel Inside In, The Players Show. The players make the game go, and it was a blast to hear them tell their stories. There will certainly be more where that came from in 2022. Go to tennis.com slash podcast to find this and every show on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Mitch Michaels from our Santa Monica studios saying thank you for listening to Tennis Channel Inside In.